You're listening to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. I'm Gandalf. I'm Matt. And I'm Nathan Van Horn. The Bible is the most read book ever, but to some, it is merely fiction. Join our conversations as we connect the dots to reveal that the story of the Bible is not only true, it's better than fiction. To learn more about the show or to contact us directly, visit us online at www.betterthanfictionbiblepodcast.com. Welcome back, listener, to episode 63 of the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast, and hallelujah, praise the Lord, we're all all again together Amen. in one Discord server Isn't recording that? the podcast. <laughs> It, it, it feels like forever. It's, if you've been listening for the past couple of episodes, you know that first Nathan was out, and then Matt was out, and then we even joked that maybe I would be out the next <laughs> week. But no, here we are, all together, reunited. reunited and it feels so good. <laughs> yep. Couldn't, couldn't See now that it. now that that wouldn't happen if Nathan was gone. That's and right. And now here and, and, and now all, here we are. And all God's people said, "Amen." <laughs> Listen, <laughs> listener, please bear with us. I, I won't do that again. Something else f- that it's good for all God's people to do is to uh, like and subscribe to the Better Than Fiction Bible podcast. Well, you know that I'm going to, you know, I'm remember gonna work it in you, somehow. you like the whole subscribe thing has changed. That's right. On, I can't, on it's Apple. so easy to say. Yeah. It's so much easier to say subscribe than make sure to hit the plus mark on iTunes or Apple yeah. Podcasts. But you know what, listener, you know what I mean. Whatever it is that allows you to get a notification every Tuesday morning when we release a new episode, do that now. And two things are going to happen. One, it's going to keep you on board and on track. You'll always know when there's a new episode. And two, it's going to tell the algorithm that this is worthwhile content. So if you believe, as we do, that this is worthwhile content, then be sure to do that so more people can hear it. Now, with all that out of the way, last week we talked about the land promises. We talked about the marking off of the land and the Canaanites and the altars. Where are we going to go this week? Egypt, like literally. And we're not. And we're not. <laughs> That's out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, and we're not going to the Exodus. It's just <laughs> this is where the whole Egyptian theme starts. <laughs> so this will be exciting. Uh, All right. So, Pastor Nathan, you said, let's see, verse ten through twenty, right? Yeah, end of the chapter. Very cool. Very cool. Who read last week? Well, I, I re- I've read three episodes in a row, so you know what? I'm putting my foot down now. <laughs> Welcome to my world, sir. Um, <laughs> gotcha. You I'll know read. what? Okay. Well, I, uh, yeah. Welcome unless back. you want to take it. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Welcome I'll back. Read. I'll you. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. Na- Nathan just did that thing where he reaches for his wallet when he knows <laughs> the other guy's going to pay. That's, ex- yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I did. He oh. had no intention of actually reading. Oh, no. <laughs> I was I was going to. Oh, you've got it? Okay. Yeah. We'll do it again soon. <laughs> yeah, we'll do it yeah. again soon. I'll read next time. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's so All true. Right. All right. So here we go. Genesis chapter 12, verses 10 through 20. And as always... Reading from the English Standard Version. Now there was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land, and he was about to enter Egypt. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance, and when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife, then they will kill me. 
but they will let you live. Say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. When Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And for her sake, he dealt well with Abram. And he had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues. I've heard of a story like that before. Because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister, so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife, take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. Well, one of those great children's stories that, you know. <laughs> this one made it into <laughs> the picture in, Bible. It's every picture Bible favorite right here. Well, yeah. can I can I uh, speak to that? Please this do. Is, sure. This is actually one of those, uh, you know, when I got more serious about reading the Bible, and I don't mean this as irreverent as it's going to sound. I mean this very reverently. Uh, you know, because the scripture tells us that all scriptures, God breathed, all the things that it's profitable for. This is one of those stories that I read when I really began studying the Bible. I'm like, well, how did the, how did this make the cut? Why is this in there? Like, what's <laughs> what's the takeaway? Don't pass your wife off as your sister. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really get what function this was serving, but this is this passage is actually loaded with a lot of stuff. Yes. It, keep in mind. Uh, for our listeners, we are a dot connecting podcast, and there are tons of dots to connect. In fact, Nathan, why don't you walk us through some of the big ones uh, that you see? Well, the, the uh, first one, I, the first one, even before I get into that, I want to see if something sounds familiar to y'all, because as man, as I really started working through the Old Testament in Hebrew, it, it was amazing how many key scenes had a certain combination of words. And you see that combination of words, and it's integral to the meaning of the story. Um, when Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw, Ra'ah, that the woman was very beautiful, that she was Tov Mioth. Mm -hmm. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her. And then the woman was taken, Lakak, into Pharaoh's house. Where in the world have we seen that combination before? Gandalf, you know this. Yeah, uh, yeah. The last time we saw, we weren't talking. We were talking about a woman, but it was the, there was a fruit involved. Well, well we the saw last it, time we, was Genesis six. Yeah, oh, we saw okay. it in this Genesis. Right. God. Yeah, we saw it in Genesis three. The woman saw that the fruit was delightful to look at, desirable for obtaining wisdom. Uh, she saw the fruit was good, tove, uh, desirable to look at, desire, uh, desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took it and gave to her husband. Then we saw the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were beautiful, Tove, so they took them. You, you, it keeps coming up. We saw this with Lamech taking two wives, right? 
That's mm-hmm. right. Um, and this will, uh, Matt and I were talking, This you'll continue to see this. This is the same combination of uh, words as used in the David and Bathsheba story. Right. Um, uh, so anytime you see saw, good, or beautiful, take. Anytime you see ra'ah, tov, and lakak, something is going down. Right. It's um, typically not good. Typically, typically not good. That's right. Um, so that's the first thing I would say. The second thing is to Matt's point, uh, again, living the Exodus while they're reading Genesis, this is the first time that Egypt enters into the story and it enters into the story in a way that foreshadows a lot of what is going to happen after the story. So for example, uh, Abraham's whole trip, uh, he's still Abram at this point, but his whole trip down to Egypt is predicated on what? What does it say in verse 10? It was a famine. How will how will the book of Genesis end? Uh, okay, I, I get what you I get what yeah. you're saying now. Yeah, it, it's a phrase you're going to hear a lot in general in the Old Testament. Right. It's Joseph and his brothers. Joseph is in Egypt and he is serving Pharaoh and interprets Pharaoh's dreams and helps Egypt survive the famine. We're going to talk about this. And I'm sure months and months, if not years to come. Uh, but <laughs> and, it, and in some senses, it's the flip of this story. Like in, yeah. in, in that passage, you know, in the Joseph story, God's people being in Egypt is for the good of the Egyptians. Right. And this story, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> and, right. and this story, you know, Abram, and this is a big debate, you know, does Abraham lie? Is this a half truth? Uh, Matt, what, what's some stuff you've heard with the whole, this is my sister rather than this is my wife? Well, we do know that Sarai, it, and we're going to find out more as we read forward in the story when we get to Abimelech, where he does this whole charade all over again. Yes, yeah, so, that, and that's Genesis 20. Right. And then so. also Isaac is going to do this play. So it's just like when... It runs uh, in the family. Yeah, like this is this is one of those... Uh, those those very uh, tried and true faithful. The, the, you know. uh, y'all saw Remember the Titans. <laughs> yeah. D- Denzel's character Herman Boone becomes the head coach, and uh, he like hands the guy his offensive playbook, and he goes, "That's a mighty thin playbook." And he goes, "I run a split veer, works like Novocaine. Six play, it, you know, give it time, it always works." Uh, <laughs> the Patriarchs had a pretty thin playbook. When in doubt. Yeah. When in doubt, half truth. Present your wife as your sister. <laughs> and also what's what's interesting is that this whole idea of deception, this whole idea of deception started in Genesis 3 with the serpent being, a.k.a. the Nakash, the devil, whoever, is deceiving Eve. Now, what's interesting here is that... And by the way, oh, I just had a thought because I was just thinking that Abraham is the one who's been appointed by God to carry out a purpose. Ding, but, ding, ding. And again, in the, some of the rabbinic the, literature, he's Adam 2.0. Yeah, but also what's interesting is that the, the Nakash was appointed by God to carry about a purpose, carry out a purpose too, that he was going rogue against. But uh, but anyway, that's probably where the parallel ends though, because obviously you have the blessing of election here of God choosing to use Abraham regardless. So Abraham basically here is trying to make things work. Is that a fair assessment, Nathan? Yeah. He's- again, Abram, Abram's been told by God, not only I'm going to give you a place, I'm going to make you a great nation. But mm-hmm. again, Abraham doesn't have any kids. 
and his right. wife is barren, but he's like, well, even though she's barren, I definitely need to have a wife. That definitely factors into the equation. And here we are going down to Egypt, not the land of promise, right? Right. And again, Abraham set up, we talked about this last week, Abraham set up altars in the land as he was going in and as he was coming out. Um, it would have been very common in the ancient world to think that a deity's power was bound to their land. A but mm. Abram's not in that land. He's going to the land of the Egyptians. And so, man, if they take his wife and they try to kill him, what about God's promises? You know what? You've you, you got to be alive in order to have a lot of descendants. You know what's interesting? Well, at least until you produce an heir, yeah. Is that when Jacob ultimately comes down to Egypt, God has to release him to do so. God comes to him in a vision and says, don't be afraid to go to Egypt. It's interesting here that there's no such story that's given. This was not, hey, Abram, go down to Egypt. It just happened. Like, was Abram even supposed to be in Egypt? Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know that we could say hard and fast, well, you know, Abraham was out of God's will here. Uh, but was this necessary? Was this necessary for him to go to Egypt? Or is it something that just kind of happened? Uh, but it, you know, the it text is. doesn't specify. Yeah, it, it is interesting to me, though, uh, you know, the in God's will, out of God's will. A lot of times when we come to this passage, it's like, OK, how do we how is Abraham a good guy here? Right. <laughs> uh, but yeah. I mean, and so we go to, you know, endogamy was a common practice in the ancient world. Um, people did marry within their kinship group. People appeal to text at Mari Newsy about marrying sisters or half-sisters. And so it's quite plausible that Abraham's not lying when he says that his wife is his sister. But, but we do is, find that out later in the Abimelech story. Exactly. Because he but, tells but, Abimelech, she is my half-sister. That's right. Um, but but the point is is not whether Abraham is lying. The point is whether Abraham is deceiving, right? Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and so and so here's... And, and it's like you said, this this deception becomes pretty characteristic of those patriarchs, Right. We'll, oh, yeah. we'll see it. We'll see it moving Isaac, forward. We'll see it with Jacob. Isaac. We'll see it with Jacob. We'll see it with Laban. The extended family network. They get Tamar, on both sides. Even Joseph. Even yeah. Joseph is deceiving his brothers at the end by hiding his appearance. That, that's making right. Making himself look like an Egyptian. And it's kind. Of, it's kind of, again, like I said, it's kind of the flip of the story because the deceit works for the good of everybody. Um, yeah. What's so neat to me here is again, remember how the chapter started. Um, Abraham, go from your country, your kinfolk, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Literally, so you be a blessing. It's an imperative in the Hebrew. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. What happens to Pharaoh in this passage? I, I would call that a curse. <laughs> yeah, he gets plagued. Like, this yeah. is... You know, definitely. It, it won't be the last time De either. That's <laughs> it. It's it's definite. So it, he gets plagued and he gets plundered. It's definite foreshadowing for what's going to go on with Moses's generation. And it wasn't, it wasn't even really his fault this time either. Ding, ding, ding. That's what I want to hit on. What happens to Pharaoh is a result of the course of action taken by Abram. Abram. What I want us, what I want us to get. Why are passages like this are? are why are passages like this important? Because the, the actions, the course of actions of God's chosen people have repercussions for those in their scope of redemption. Uh, this is the whole this is the whole thing in um, you know when God takes Israel out of Egypt. He doesn't just say, Yay, we're free now. He says, No, I want to make you a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. What God did for Israel was supposed to have consequences for what Israel was going to do 
for God for the world, right? I, I think of passages in the New Testament, like Jesus saying the disciples uh, to the disciples, whatever you bound on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Um, I, I don't want to overstate that, but I also don't want to understate it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, there is, uh, it's there's like two edges here. There's like, our hearts should be cut with conviction and encouragement. That's uh, a good way to say it. So w- one, one direction is, wow, this is the man who's chosen by God to be a blessing to the entire world. <laughs> and the first thing he does is his actions give a man plagues. <laughs> liar, liar, your pants are on fire. <laughs> That's right. But it's like, it's, it, it's like he, he, he was told by God, this is what's going to happen. And then he goes out and he does like seemingly what the exact opposite uh, actions of what's conducive well, to that. Well, it's not necessarily the exact opposite though. It, what, what if in Abraham's mind, Hey, I want to take God seriously. This thing did God think through this step, or do I need to help God out here? Right, right. Uh, like to me, it, it, this preaches to me because I mean, how many times in life are we like, okay, I know the promises of God are good, but did God see this contingency in my life experiences? Like, how's God going to uh, work that into His plan? The Egyptians maybe, are going to kill maybe me. That's too simplified. For- <laughs> yeah, maybe that's too simplified. Not that did God see that contingency, or is my move from God to take this into my own hands? Maybe God, you know, he gave us a brain for a reason. Maybe God's wanting me to act here. Maybe this is the moment because I really don't, I really don't see, uh, you know, a moment here where yeah, he, I, I tell the you know because we do. God. So the last to- time the text says that Abraham met with God was back in verse number nine when he was still back up in Canaan, and coming down to Egypt, we don't read about him putting up an altar. There's no again. It, he's he's out of the land of promise, right? So he, as, it, so verse is he nine. Out, he journeyed on, going toward the Negev, which is the wilderness. Um, yeah, and, and so that's and that's the issue is if you're out of the land of promise, are you out of are you out of the scope of its protection? Yeah. Do you, that, do you do that you is have interesting? To, do you have to take things? And again, this is a this is a thing that the rest of the Old Testament. This is why it's. This is why we have books like Esther. This is why we have books like Daniel. This is why we have Ezekiel. The whole Ezekiel one thing, where God has a moving throne. God's sovereignty is not bound to one place. Right. Uh, that's part of the. That's part of the Old Testament message. Is that all? All these other deities who are worshipped uh, are Gan- usually geographically specific. God is sovereign everywhere, even when Gandalf. His people take oh. their actions. Even when His people take their actions uh, into their own hands. Gandalf, what are your thoughts here when you're looking at at Abraham and his moves here? Like, what what do you see here? Because if if, if let's, I, uh, from the chair of the skeptic who's looking at this from 21st century Western culture, like, what does this say about God here? What does this say about Abram to you? Well, Abram, it's I guess it's easy for me to sit here, you know, 20 in the year 2020 and judge him, but it's like, man, this is like this is a risky play. I don't know where this was going to go. Like I don't know what his exit strategy was or like where he thought this was going to go, but it's it just seems like it just seems like he's making things super complicated. Like he's just 
he doesn't seem like he's making things any, anything better. And again, so, I know that's easy for me to so judge. So here's, here's, here's where things get complicated. And this is where there's a difference between wisdom and experience. Because experience makes you think you have wisdom. And there is a huge difference between experience and wisdom. Hmm. Experientially, Abram was right. The Egyptians did exactly what he said they would do. Like he said, look, they're going to do this. And you know what? Dadgummit, Abram was right. He had experience to teach him. But experience is not always the best place to draw from. There is a deeper well yet still than experience, and that well is called wisdom, which begins, according to Proverbs, with the fear of the Lord, which is a reverence of God and being able to draw from wisdom that, hey, look, even though my experience tells me this, I know because of the promises I have received that there are resources deeper still that I can draw from to protect my wife here. But this is, or if we could use another proverb, this is that famous proverb in chapter three, trust in the Lord with all your heart, verses three through five, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean, yeah, that's right. Don't lean on your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll Mm. make your path straight. This is, this is Abraham acknowledging God, but not leaning on him and trusting him with all of his heart. And, and, and that's what we're going to see. Um, that's what we're going to see in the Abraham story. A, a, again, with some biblical characters, like we see obvious failure, but God redeems that story and they still have a positive assessment. I think of like a David, right? Right. But with others like Abraham, a lot of times we read it and we're like, well, man, Abraham was a pretty solid dude. I never really see that guy stepping out of God's will. But man, if you pay attention, there are several times in the Abraham story where he kind of like takes matters into his own hands and it makes the story more complicated um, unnecessarily. And and the neat thing to your point is even when Abraham does that, number one, God does not forsake his promises to Abraham. Uh, right. what, what happens in this story is exactly what God said would happen. Abraham still gets blessed, and unfortunately, as a result of Abraham's, uh, you know, deception, Pharaoh gets cursed a little bit. I mean, it gets <laughs> it gets it gets surmounted. Yeah. There's and a consequence for his action. But Nathan, you and, said one more thing before the episode, and I want to make sure that this is likely where Hagar comes from. Yes, it says the female servants. Oh snap! This is. So there's at, a future at, yet still that's going to be complicated from this. And he'll and he'll take actions into his own hands again, and that's where Ishmael will come from, right? And right. and once again, that will not simplify the. By the way, as pastor, you, Matt, we have both uh, as pastors been in that situation where you're counseling with someone, and you know something's not going according to plan in life, and you think that the next thing will will fix the former thing, right? Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, and it usually whether makes in the, counseling it, or whether that's just me. <laughs> uh, that's right. Touche. Um, yeah. um, but but it always it always tends to make things more complicated, not less complicated, right? You know you know what this reminds me of. It's one of my favorite childhood movies. Did y'all ever see The Sandlot? Oh yes. Oh, All right. Yeah. You're killing no, me, th- Smalls. <laughs> exactly. Forever. Oh, so forever. Yeah, that's right. So if you've not seen it, it's been out since the early 90s. Spoiler 90s. alert. It's worth. Yeah, it's worth your time. Well, so the kids play baseball in this local sandlot 
And next to the local sandlot, there's this junkyard that a guy lives at. And there's a junkyard dog in there called the Beast. And they have this big mythology surrounding the beast that he's this giant dog that lives under the house and he eats kids and he eats criminals and, and all this stuff. So every time a ball goes over the fence, it's, it's just gone. And the, the movie, it, it happens where the kid takes his dad's collector baseball signed, signed by, by Babe Ruth. Who's the great Baby Bambino Ruth? Who's, yeah. Who's, who is she? <laughs> <laughs> the, the Sultan of Swan. But anyway, he t- he t- they, they, the ball gets hit over the fence, and he doesn't realize what he's done. And so once they hit the ball over the fence, they come up with this elaborate plan to to rescue the ball. Like they, they use an erector set and they use like all this other stuff. And ultimately they lure the beast out. And all of that to say at the very end of the movie, uh, they, they end up having an encounter with the owner of the junkyard who turns out to be not anything like they had been made up to be in their, their, in their, their, uh, local attempt of mythology. And it's, it's James Earl Jones. And he's this, he's this blind man. And he, he just basically asked them, Hey, why don't you just knock on the door? I would have gotten the ball for you. <laughs> this is this is so much. Yeah, because then the movie would have only been 30 minutes. <laughs> that's, that's right. But uh, instead, they had to build up all of these horrible things that would happen if they did it that way. So they went the long way around and overcomplicated the process big time. Well, and, and to me, it, there's another biblical thing here, too. Uh, so at the end of the movie, you know, when they finally uh, get in touch with the owner guy, He's uh-huh. got a be- he's got a better baseball to give them. Like they had one oh, signed yeah, by yeah, Babe yeah. Ruth. His That's his so is signed by the whole Yankees team, right? It's not That's just right. Babe Ruth. It's Mickey Mantle and all those other guys. That's right. Um, and t- to me, biblically, that's what we're going to see. Pay attention to this with the story of Abraham. You see lots of little uh, hints and biblical threads in this passage. Egypt, uh, you know, plagues, all this stuff. God protecting His people, even uh, even or perhaps especially when when they may miss something. Um, but the cool thing is Abraham doesn't want his wife to be taken because he's convinced that will be a deal breaker, but God is going to work things out despite the complications Abraham throws into the story. God is going to provide not the solution he expects. He's going to provide something even better. God's Mm. baseball is better than the one you lost. Oh, so Mm. good. So good. That's why as beautiful as Genesis one and two are, it has nothing on Revelation 20 and 21, or 21 and 22. Oh, that's well said. I like that. Yeah. So let me say that again, because I, I don't want to... Uh, the, par- <laughs> the paradise, as, you, the paradise yeah. you return to is better than the one you left. Yeah. That's right. As beautiful as Genesis 1 and 2 are, it has nothing on Revelation 21 and 22. You know what I hear hmm. you saying in a roundabout way? What's that? Reunited and it feels so good. <laughs> yeah, not it's once, coming. but twice. Oh, so good. <laughs> I, uh, I wish I could turn it off. You have no idea. Yeah. 
Uh, y- y'all, we're about to finish this episode on time. I cannot believe that. I know. It's just... <laughs> hey, I, I, well, you know, I don't know well, what you're talking in, about. We... I was not a part of the 38-minute episode. <laughs> yeah, Nathan, Nathan, Nathan and I recorded a 28-minute uh, 28 podcast, and then to make up for it, Matt and I re- recorded a, a 37-minute podcast. There you go. You're welcome. <laughs> but, listener, if you would like to knock on our door and... You know, we'll just give you the podcast. Come and knock on our door. You don't have to go out and do all these crazy things like searching for it on Google or whatever. We'll just give it to you. All you have to do is on whatever platform you're listening, hit the button, the plus, the like, the thumbs up, the star, whatever it is. Hit it. And every Tuesday morning, you're going to receive a notification that there's a new episode out. And not only that, but you'll also help the podcast out by it getting recommended recommended out there to others through the algorithm. So until then, we'll see you next week. See you next time. Shalom. It feels so good to have that go down correctly. (laughs) (laughs) As opposed to what's been happening.